hi. Welcome to An Absolute Gag. It's the podcast where I like to talk to people about the moments or performances that left them speechless. I'm Tommy Boynton, and oh, you're back. (laughs) I'm... I'm running out of ideas for that. I'm so uncreative. Hi! Oh, it's so good to have you back. Back in the um, Absolute Gag Studios with me. A very bumping place uh, where with the hustle and bustle is constantly a Twitter here. Um, and I'm so excited that you are going to hear my guest today. Oh, she's she's a beauty. You know, it's really offensive how many attractive people I have on my podcast, and yet you can't see them. (laughs) This is all my master plan to put us all at an even playing field. (laughs) But she's just stunning. She's an award-winning actor in the Chicagoland area. She's been just... She's been blowing up uh, in the last few years, and uh, I'm so excited to see it because uh, she's also just a genuinely incredible human being who's so sweet and so kind, and I just, I'm obsessed with her. My guest today is Jacqueline Jones, and I'm, this is, this is a gag that I've been waiting for, um, and it's one that uh, y'all are going to have to Buckle up and sit through. Because <laughs> it's one of my favorite things, and I know it's not everybody's favorite thing, but here's the deal. Uh, you're going to love how passionate uh, I get about it, how passionate Jacqueline gets about it. It's uh, You're in for just a treat. <laughs> but first, let's go ahead and talk about our charity focus of the week. Our charity focus of the week, brought to us by Jacqueline Jones, is the AIDS Foundation of Chicago, the AFC. Uh, For 35 years, AIDS Foundation Chicago, AFC, has led the fight to create health, equity, and justice for people living with and disproportionately impacted by HIV and AIDS. So if you go to their website at aidschicago.org, you can find out all the information you need. As you heard, they've been around for 35 years, which is really incredible, and they've worked so hard. Uh, Every year, they have a a walk or a marathon that uh, a ton of my friends participate in, and I love it. And uh, I try to support as much as I can financially because AIDS is still prevalent and it's still important to uh, put money towards the research for finding a cure. Um, We're so close. I can feel it. I feel it. But either way, uh, the medical advances as far as AIDS research has come just, you know, eons and eons from where we started. So um, we have so many lovely friends who have been involved with AIDS Foundation Chicago in the past and are currently involved, including um, fellow Joan out there, a good friend, Christopher Pasnick, who uh, really, really dedicates his life to AIDS research. Truly, is his life is um, musical theater, Patti LaBelle. (laughs) 
I love you, Chris. I hope you're listening. But <laughs> the amazing work that he does yearly for uh, research of AIDS, and I just um in in the the medical research of AIDS and the HIV virus, I really um I really admire it. And um, Jacqueline has participated in marathons and stuff for the AIDS Foundation of Chicago, so. It's um it's just the best program and they've just really really are so important to us. So I'm thrilled to shout out our for our charity focus of the week, the AIDS Foundation of Chicago. Again, if you want to learn more or donate, go to aidschicago.org and they have everything you need to know. And there's uh definitely ways that um, you can help out and get involved. There's tons of events that are constantly happening year round, even in this pandemic state. They're still doing a lot of work for you know for donations and for you know charity and everything. So they're um, they're great. They're great. We love them. And that is our charity focus of the week. Okay, so um, man. <laughs> So I'm recording this on a Sunday, ending the week of um, the inauguration was Wednesday, Martin Luther King Jr. Day was on Monday, and uh, if you were fortunate like me and my day job uh, to have the day off, um, so you had a long, long weekend and a short week. However, <laughs> with like the inauguration and like everything going on. Even this four-day week felt like 72 days. <laughs> it's been the longest week, <laughs> which is stupid to say. Um, but I'm so glad that I'm ending it with you all here right now with me. <laughs> but um, so I don't want to hesitate any longer or hesitate why am i hesitating i'm not hesitating i don't want to keep us waiting any longer that's what i mean to say (laughs) i don't want to keep us waiting any longer uh let's go to my interview with jacqueline jones and her absolute gag (laughs) oh i'm lonely Welcome back to the pod. This is episode 22, The Double Dose, and I am so excited for my guest. Oh, she's so wonderful. She is an actor that you've seen on the stages around the Chicagoland area, and also she's uh, won awards for it. So, like, it's a legit actor. Hello. (laughs) But also, she's kind of, I guess, by proxy, the god mother of the pod because she's the wife of the godfather of the pod you can hear her sometimes as a guest or a special guest host of the podcast you simply must please welcome to the pod Jacqueline hello I'm so excited you are doing this I'm, I literally am vibrating in my chair I I need to calm down. I need need a glass of warm milk. Um, (laughs) A glass of warm milk. What do people used to do to calm themselves down? I make them 
go to sleep with a glass of warm milk. I have been looking forward to this for quite some time. And I have to say, I think I'm just so excited that it's finally happening. We're even like pseudo matching. I can see you in purpley bluey tie dye vibe I'm also wearing. It's just fake. This is meant to be. It is meant to be. It is fate. This is everything. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so how are you doing with everything considered? You know, <laughs> um, what a question these days. I um, know. Literally, ever since I started this podcast, I feel bad for asking people. <laughs> well, the responses have always been so varied too. There's some that are uh, very lighthearted. I'll uh, some that begin with a. Uh, <laughs> Many a times have people yeah. answered with a sigh. Yeah, no, and I, I'm here to do a mix of both. <laughs> I please, you know, this times are hard times is tough. Um, but you know, I find myself very uh fortunate for many reasons. Uh, one to have a, a community of friends around me, even though I don't get to see in person. I've been able to sort of keep up with digitally and um, see them a few times outside, safely social distanced. Um, I also live with a hunk of a man uh, that I can see in person every day. (laughs) (laughs) He invited me early before going. He moved him in. (laughs) (laughs) You're too much. I need help. Um, Sorry. Oh, wait, just kidding. No, I <laughs> I really love my husband so much. I do. God, I'm so excited and, and fortunate to be like quarantined with my very best friend. That's like yeah. the gift of the universe. But um, I've also like by much luck and just like keeping connections with like families that I've managed with before, I've landed a really wonderful, wonderful and very safe um, job amidst quarantine. I'm a, 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 a nanny slash virtual help teacher tutor with their virtual school. I mean, I'm, I'm not virtual. I'm with this person, but um, I'm helping two amazing little angel children um, navigate virtual learning. And we are like the three amigos. We are, we call ourselves a team. We love each other so much. And I love family. Um, and it's been a really wonderful um, sort of shift and like, just a, a change of gears and and has fed my soul in ways that like I haven't gotten to feed it in, in years. I used to be a nanny before acting stuff started to pick up and to be able to like that hat back on for a minute has been like really, really nice. And I forget, yeah. like, Oh, I, I, do. <laughs> I do like children. No, I totally understand. But also it's like, I get what you're saying about like, when you, when something like creating or doing your art is kind of taken away from you, there is a moment where you kind of go on this search for like another passion. Like, what are you passionate about? And like, I'm kind of in the same boat, like, because now that my, the theater that I do is not happening too. It's like my day job has really just taken center of my life and I love it. And that's the thing is I love doing what I do for my day job and expanding. I'm getting more involved with like diversity, equity, and inclusion and like working with, you know, that aspect of my job. And like, it's, you can find other passions and stuff, 
while still loving, obviously, creating right. and doing the art. But it has been it has been interesting to watch everybody kind of be like, oh no, <laughs> yeah. what 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 else can I do? What else can I find? Right, right. And then like there's this weird amount of pressure that we've all put on ourselves too to like come up with something to fill the space. Yes. Like, I and I, I was talking with a, a group of girlfriends that I have, um, who are all friends of the podcast, uh, that I will name drop right now, yes. Mallory C. Wise and Larry Turlington. Um, who I those two women I literally talk to every single day of my of my life. Like they're my lifeline in many ways of my life. Um, and we were talking about this like insane pressure to create something in this time or like to, to practice. Uh, moving these muscles so that yeah. we don't, you know, quote unquote, lose them, or um, as you might have said, become rusty. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, no, like, and and we keep trying to tell ourselves, like, hey, it's great if that inspiration strikes, but like, it doesn't cost you. You are still valued as an artist if you don't use this time to like. Yeah, dive deep into your skill set and or you know try to add more on into your toolkit. But like, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, please don't beat yourself up for it. You're still valued. You're still who you are. You're not gonna like lose everything. It will be. It will be there. So and like, and like it's so we're in a grind. Yeah. Like I mean, it is called the grind for yeah, a reason because yeah. you're just like going going and like and it is a lot of emotional labor and everything creating acting performing everything like that so maybe it's nice that we have this time to like take a break you know i love that that was so beautiful like that whole thing was so beautiful i loved it i can't take credit for all of it i definitely uh, was fed many of those lines (laughs) that's okay don't worry I can't take full credit. I cannot. <laughs> You're like Lena Lamont in Singing in the Rain. And somebody, <laughs> Kathy's behind you just singing. <laughs> that for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, Jacqueline, I have a very important question. Yeah. What is your absolute gag? Oh, my absolute gag. <laughs> Of my life. (laughs) (laughs) It has to be Miss Leah McSweeney's debut (laughs) in season 12 of Real Housewives of New York on Bravo. Oh my God, I hate these tiki torches. Fuck! (laughs) You! Why? Because they suck. They just represent bullshit. Why? They represent like a fun party. No, they don't, honey. You don't read the news enough. (laughs) Hi. You are my Bravo sister. You are. (laughs) I know. I love it. All things Bravo. I Um, turn to you. I know you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) <laughs> I love this. Yes. I turn to you. <laughs> no, I love this. Oh my god. Okay, I'm so excited. I'm so excited <laughs> because as you said, we are Bravo sisters. I you are on this short list of people that like Honored. whenever Honored. 
I, th- I just, like, I need to talk about yes. Bravo with you. And shout out to my friends, Andrea and Anna. I love you two so much. They are, you and them, you are my Bravo queens that I have to turn to and be like, okay, <laughs> did you watch this and this? <laughs> Because it's unnecessary. <laughs> it is. It is. Like it's, it's one of those things when you see it by yourself, you think, is this real? Did that really happen? And then you need to confirm with another human being, no, that happened. That that was real. That person really did say or do that thing. And you go, oh, okay. All right. We're in all right. now. Okay. <laughs> We're really more just each other's support system. <laughs> Because like, support some support system, some say enablers. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> forever always be. I, what what's the difference? <laughs> but no. So this is really interesting because I love this. I love this, Leah. For people to give a little background, so we're in season twelve that just happened this past year of The Real Housewives in New York City. Is New York your favorite franchise? I go back and forth constantly. Like, which one really is my favorite? I, for years, have said Atlanta because nobody is funnier than that group of women. They know comedy. They know good TV. They know how to turn a look. They know how to, like, create a storyline and have an arc, honey. Like, they, they bring it every time, every single time. And they're smart and they're quick. Like, they just, like, they give good TV all the time. Beverly Hills provides yes. this like just opul- opulence. <laughs> 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 this wish fulfillment that like I would never get in my life. Like the amount of money that's just seeping right. out of their pores at any given time. Like the bags they carry, the cars they drive, the homes they come home to, the clothing, the makeup, the, the also turning a look. They're not as funny. They just aren't. But they are, they're ridiculously funny in their own way of just like how much they lack self-awareness or just any sense of reality or what it means to be a real person in this country. Um, and <laughs> so it's very fascinating to look at that. And then you have New York. Just- New York. <laughs> Sorry. <What>? My heart <laughs> fluttering. It's like... They're like family, okay? You, you, we've known them for years now. We've seen them through many a, a, a time and trial, and they yes. they provide a type of humor that is unlike any other on TV. I truly believe they yeah. <laughs> they're just so absurd. They're so ludicrous, so obscene, but then also so like loving and like very much of. A, a family unit as a cast. They're also one of the few cities um, of this franchise that these group of women, I tr- I do believe, are actual friends um, outside of taping. Like outside of schedule, they are still going down to you know eat brunch uh, together 100%. or go walk the park or whatever it is. Like they're they are actual real friends, and they for years before the show even started. Some of these friendships go back twenty years before. Yeah of us knew what a real housewife even was so like the the like suspension of disbelief yeah. is lower <laughs> for me because I, I, I so i'm already in like i'm 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 all, i'm already like all in i didn't have to buy in I, i'm all in so i they don't have to convince me of anything i guess is what i'm trying to say so i i don't know they just 
they're the most <laughs> entertaining to watch, I think, because of those like truly cemented relationships that are so solid that like they've been so absurd with each other for yeah. so long that every year they raise the bar on on how far to go and how crazy to get and just how absurd they become. And they've also sort of become like caricatures of themselves throughout the Oh, absolutely. Which made us as viewers more and more happy. Like <laughs> So I know cool. I can go on and on and I may be going a little, uh, you know, 12 steps ahead when I need to take that. But I <laughs> clearly am very passionate about these women. No, I totally <laughs> agree with you. I, I, the reason I love these shows so much truly is because these, you are never going to find more layered female characters than you Absolutely. are on a house. We've said show. each other for years. We've yes. said for a long time. Like, like we talked about, um, we mentioned this, I think, on the podcast. So Jacqueline and I did an episode of You Simply <laughs> Must with Drew, where we made him watch The Dinner Party from <laughs> Hell, which is a very famous Beverly Hills <laughs> episode. So we, I think we mentioned that, like, an actor would die to play one of these women. Like, oh a woman God. of... To- yeah, literally. just... Any of them. And where I think New York is top notch is that these women, especially, mm-hmm. put it all out there. Oh, like they, oh, <laughs> they ever, honey. Talk <laughs> about putting it all out there. They are maybe and, the most sexual uh, asked that mm-hmm. we have. I, I love it for many, many reasons because one, we don't talk enough about how your sexual desire does not stop by age 40. Like some of the characters that we, you know, are, are able to see on screen and film, whatever it is. We just, we don't see, a, a, I hate to use this phrase, a woman of a certain age. We don't get to see an older woman kind of express yeah. that part of herself enough in media. And that's like all they're doing all the time. I've never met a group I don't know them but I've never seen a group of hornier women in my life and it's amazing I like you love to see it you know that like Luann is going to spot a guy from 50 miles away and say come on girls we're gonna go see what they're doing later and find them over for drinks like that is you know it you know you see it plain as day you see it five hours before it's coming like it and they're all like that they all have those moments and they all had those moments in, in, in this season. So yeah. And so so we get to season 12, and literally a day before filming, mm. they lose their kind of central person again. Bethany Frankel leaves the housewives, which I major blow, which is a major blow because Bethany provides such a humor that like nobody's been able to really kind of land or right. match. Like there have been some people who got close to it. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, I think Portia Williams is one of the funniest people <laughs> I've ever seen in any television show. <laughs> but she's like Lucille Ball funny. You know what I mean? Like she's yes. like, it's yes. just watching her react to things and just like, <laughs> you know, like just she's doesn't care and all this stuff. She's so right. funny. But like Bethany was like, nobody 
had a sharper or quicker tongue than Bethany Frankel. And it was both good and bad. Exactly. Exactly. Ask Sonia Moore. Tell you all about the reception of most of that type of behavior from, you know, my God, I, 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 she, she deserves to ask for Bethany to cover any and all like medical bills of of all of her therapy because (laughs) Bethany fucked up top to bottom. Like I can't (laughs) begin to imagine the amount of uh, therapy that Sonia has had or will still need to continue to have based on um, her friend. (laughs) I've never seen a murder on television until that meeting. He was just like, you're a cheater brand. You've never been successful. You keep on failing. That's why nobody trusts you. And nobody thinks <laughs> The catch sobs of Sonia. Because <laughs> she was so awful. Oh, for those of you who don't know, was that season nine or ten? I think it was nine because ten was so much about because ten was so much about Carol and Bethany. Yeah. I think this was nine. Yeah, I think. Oh, and Sonia, that cast member for us that you just want to be okay all the time. You root for her. You you want her. You just I want know. her to win. She's like a little little puppy that you want to foster and love and leash train and just see them successfully become a full beautiful dog. I'm comparing her to a dog, and I feel absolutely awful about that. I mean that in a negative way. I mean that to say that you love her unconditionally. Even when she's on your rug, you love yes. her. You just want her to do well. You want speed, and she had so many failed attempts at being an entrepreneur that you just maybe this time she'll be. Happy. You just want her to win. You really just to win because it's. Because it's so rough. Like, I mean, she was married to J.P. Morgan. Like, it was insane. Her name was, like, in the actual blue, which I didn't even realize was a thing. And all that episode, we are like, oh, wow, you have to, you're really rich. Okay. That's a lesson I didn't even know existed. Um, This, like, pedigree where your name is in a literal blue book. Um, (laughs) She comes from extreme wealth. And she has had to fight, scrape, yeah. claw her way since, you know, the divorce and everything. And and you just, damn it, you just want her to succeed. You want her to be okay. Yeah. And and it's also, um, I swear, we'll get back. I, I promise. I we are I just, <laughs> the floodgates have been yeah, opened. This is years, it's fine. <laughs> the thing about Sonia and why I cheer for her so much, too, is because JP gave her nothing. And this is literally one of the richest men in the entire world. And he gave her nothing. And it pisses me off because once again, it feels very like male, you know, this, it's this male mentality of like, they don't deserve it. Like the women don't deserve it. no, Fuck that. <laughs> like she she slept with you. You should give her money. <laughs> like, she kept your home. She kept, like she loved you. Like uh, it's she yeah. clearly was um he brought her along on all of these like events and stuff because right. she is 
as she says, the life of the party. And she is. She's so charming and so effervescent and like just like everybody loves Sonia. And like she's a light bulb. Like she she literally just lights up a room with her charisma, her energy, her beauty, her just like effervescent. You know, she like she just She's a magnet. People just are so drawn to her. And absolutely. Like that, that is it. When you really sit down and think about it, you're like, fuck that guy, man. Fuck him. He was the worst to her. So you know that all the men just root for her so hard. Yeah, all of these trad. All of their ex-husbands are the absolute worst. Garbage. And some of their current husbands. Garbage. Yeah, their current uh, husbands slash partners, boyfriends, <laughs> dates, whatever it may be, are questionable at best. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so, okay. So, so season 12, mm-hmm. Bethany leaves. But Bethany, in her, this is wild. I love this. Yeah. This is really fascinating. But in her, like, email, <laughs> like, Bravo being like, I'm not going to do this anymore. She provides yes. Andy with a list of like a hundred women who she thinks can yeah. replace her or who should be in the cast. And in that list was Leah McSweeney, who is, I don't know, is she like, is she like mid thirties? Like, is she our she, age? Or my age? Or what? Yeah, she's like 38. So she's one of the youngest. She's 38. Um, members that have ever really come on the show. Yeah. Um as so yeah, she's she's fairly young compared to um some of her her cast members. Right. And so they they meet her and immediately are kind of like, oh, this is the missing energy that we need for this. And so they kind of arrange for her to be one of Tinsley's friends. Tinsley Mortimer's friends. Yeah, but I uh, and knowing that she's floating around Chicago somewhere, she got the show to come to Chicago. I, ooh, I, did, I hope I never run into her. I say is so. I know it's really warranted. I don't. Know. No, she's I don't know. like she's the worst. I'm sorry. <laughs> she, she just. just I just. She never got like. She never understood the game. Yeah. She didn't. She never got oh, the game of yeah, Housewives, exactly. and like it just struggled. Yeah. But, um, but oddly enough, she gives one of her best reunion performances this season. I know, which I was know. She did she did? I was she like, finally got a backbone for herself. She got a backbone. She finally like yeah. stood up for herself. And but that's always anyway. the biggest issue with her is that she she victimized herself constantly around these women and with. That with these women, they're going to smell and sniff blood and go all in. These women, weakness, are going to go. Okay, there's my angle. I'm going to go. And she like indulged in that, and I was, I just, but not in a successful reality (laughs) movie. Well, she used to drive me nuts because she was helpless. She was a doormat. But like, whenever she would try to explain like why she's that way. It would always be because of her right. past relationship with Topper <laughs> and the men in her life. And it was all about the right. men and how she didn't have somebody and like how bad that was and how she like was sad because of that and stuff like that. And I'm like, girl, you literally never have to work a day in your goddamn life. <laughs> like, like <laughs> good dick is great, right. but like calm down. <laughs> <laughs> 
know. Honey, do some work on yourself. I know it's inconvenient. I know it's like uncomfortable, but that's accountability. I'm so sorry. Yes. Grow up. Yeah. Try to grow up, baby girl. And that's the thing. Like, she would like, uh, am I using that word correctly? Where she yes. will literally like, make herself a child to the point where she would wear dresses and outfits to suggest she were like uh, that she was on like toddlers and tiaras like she was like I genuinely like really disliked her I don't want to say hate that wrong word. for someone that I actually don't even know and will never meet my life that sounds but, like, <laughs> I just I did not, I did not love her approach to the show. So, so luckily they attach Leah with Tinsley and it has been a while. The women have consistently on New York been late forties to sixties. Like that is like the age. So like when Tinsley came in, that was a big kind of moment where it was like, here's a younger person, but Leah's energy just is far more youthful than anybody who's ever been on that show because it's like she lives in a teeny tiny apartment (laughs) in like like New York because they all do but like she's like legit like you see her apartment and you're like oh that looks like what I would expect a New York apartment to look like but she like she just had this youthful energy so tell me what it was especially about Leah in this season that truly like gagged you and left you speechless. The fact that she was like such a real person, uh, you know, when you watch reality TV as often as we do, um, you start to become very used to a heightened uh, character of person. Like I, I catch myself calling them characters instead of like <laughs> this character that I know I'm no, that's a real person. It's like living their life, um, but they live in such a heightened world all the time that you forget that this is a real person that I'm watching. And when when Leah first came on the scene, I thought, wow, first of all, she's gorgeous. So oh, and she's smart. Okay. Yeah. She's like actually like read up with what's going on in the world. Like she cares about what's going on in the world. Um, she's funny as hell. Um, I want to know more about you, Leah. And the, the more I got to see her, the more I just like kept leaning more and more forward, more, I was becoming more and more intrigued. And it wasn't really until episode four where my jaw <laughs> quite literally <laughs> became unhinged. I've been trying to pick it up ever since. <laughs> oh. He attends um, <clears throat> a weekend in the Hamptons with the ladies um, at one Ramona Singer's Hamptons home. <laughs> We'll get into Ramona later. I don't even I go down that road yet. <laughs> I mean, and we should say that this is a like this home is only a few years old. Like she's right. only had this for like a few years now. Like she did a big remodel yeah. and like it's gorgeous. Okay. It is a gorgeous massive. Place. It's just like yeah. everything you would think of when you think a home in the Hamptons. This is that. Um, yeah. And they all gather there. They're um, deciding to have quiet night in. Um, with just <laughs> a, few, a few little appetizers to share, a few drinks. Now, going into this, it's important to note that Leah had not had decided not to drink for about a period of like nine years. Um, and prior to filming, a few months prior to filming, she began yeah. to uh, drink again, just socially, occasionally in small amounts. Um, but she chose 
to be sober for nine years uh, yeah. just because she had been coming out of a period where she wasn't drinking responsibly. She didn't like the kind of person that she was and she would drink too much. So she took a massive step back. Um, but then, you know, in recent uh, months prior to filming the season, decided to reintroduce that into her life. And she had not had um, a, a, a lot of alcohol with the women before this episode. Um, and this was the night she decided <laughs> to really go all out. She went so hard. <laughs> and first of all, they start the night playing uh, beer pong with champagne flute. Um, I forgot about this. <laughs> opulence, opulence on opulence on opulence. It was. And it was like, uh, I forget the name of the brand, but it's like that bottle of uh, champagne with like the orange label that's like, it ain't cheap, y'all. Like, this shit is not cheap. And they were like pouring it like it was uh, Andre, you know? And I'm like, what? Like, it's so much money is yeah. just flying all over the place. And so they're starting with champagne. They're drinking, uh, you know, vodka, cranberries. They're, you know, drinking um, rose, everything under the sun. And then like straight just vodka comes out by the end of the night. The Kettlewood bottle out there no ice just you know vodka meat. and she has become unrecognizable she has transformed into her alter ego she kind of transforms from because she has like such a fascinating facial structure yes. she's so yes. beautiful but like when she got drunk her hair gets wet all of a sudden like, <laughs> like out of nowhere before even doing that yeah. yeah her hair gets wet and her eyes get really big mm -hmm. she is almost full-on golem in <laughs> lord of the rings like she, like, like she just she transforms and you know oddly enough her voice changes pitch too that really fun really track yeah well she decides, she decides to just go nuts on everything about this home and these people that she dislikes, right? So she goes out to the backyard where there's this beautiful pool and it's a gorgeous scene and they have tiki-tikas um, lining the pool area and she <laughs> sees those tiki torches, is immediately like taken to Charlottesville, like, fuck this. I hate what this symbolizes, which I only love her even more. And she's like, hey, Tiki torches are bullshit and takes a bottle of champagne and starts splashing the champagne on the tiki torch to snuff it out. Um, decides that that's not working fast enough and gets out of the pool that she had jumped into naked uh, previously to this um, and gets out of the pool naked, stark naked, and just starts grabbing these tiki torches out of the ground and throwing them across the lawn. Just fully lit. With, just fully lit. But just taking out all of her anger on these awful, awful uh, white supremacy and just goes berserk. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Oh, my God, yes. And it doesn't stop there. It does not stop there. She like, convinces no. a few more people to gather in the pool naked with her, which I'm like, yes, yeah, the enabler in me. She's the enabler in you. And just this like very uh, sex positive community, which by the way, she's incredibly sex positive throughout the entire season and only like further, you know, makes me yes. like just so excited about like, yes, bring that more out in the world. Like a, a woman needs to be unapologetically sexual for fucking once on a season. Like I just let her, let her be who she is. And she, she, that, that only comes out even more 
this episode. Yeah. And you start <laughs> these amazing tattoos that she has all over her gorgeous body. And the camera starts to sort of pan down to this one specific tattoo of hers um, that is on her pelvic region. And it's hard to see what exactly what exactly it is. Um, but we very soon find out. She goes, <laughs> she comes back into the hall, lightly dressed. She's got a pair of pants on and a, a see-through top with uh, nothing on underneath. And uh, Dorinda, one of my very favorite cast members of Real Housewives of all time, um, very much like a, a mother of the group, a mother figure, um, says, "No, we got to No, we got to cover. We got to cover you up. We got to put something like your nipples around. We got to put like." And she starts to put like band aids on her nipples. <laughs> And she's like, that's not cutting it. That's not cutting it. She grabs like a, a bustier to to help her change into, takes Leah into uh, the downstairs bathroom to help her change. And this is when the moment happens. This is when it happens. <laughs> she, she, this is all behind a door. We don't see any of this. But we can hear the audio because they're mic'd. We have it and we get the like subtitle. So we know exactly what's being said. Dorinda says, wait, why does your vagina have wings on it? Apparently, that tattoo was a tattoo of wings directly above Leah's vagina. To which Leah very perfectly responds, because it flies! (laughs) (laughs) Never ever heard such a perfect response uttered in all of my life. And I from that point oh fell madly in love yeah. with her. See, I yeah, that truly <laughs> that truly is the episode where we were all like, "Oh, Leah's like we, she is here forever." Like, yep, yep. when a cemented new, herself. yes, cemented. When a new mm-hmm. housewife comes into a franchise, it is always a, a gamble. Like, we never know what they're going to be. We never know how they're going to, like, mix with the other women. Um, there was especially concern about, like, obviously how young she was compared to uh, the other women and everything. And if um, sometimes that works and then oh, sometimes yeah. it really doesn't. Um, but she, like, we were just like, I don't know if this is going to work. But sometimes there are moments where these new housewives... <laughs> do something that you're like oh no that's she's she's here forever she's here forever to me she is the best new higher new casting probably since shannon debor yeah uh, no shannon uh, bedore shannon bedore Bedore. Bedore. i'm tired (laughs) (laughs) shannon bedore all these cities and all these names it's a lot it's but they're yeah. all family. We remember you, well, Shannon. Swear to God. Yes. <laughs> Shannon, I would say Shannon yeah. and and uh, Dorinda are the two best new hot castings Agreed. where the game changed. Like there was a new energy, and now Leah comes in, and that fourth mm-hmm. episode is so big for her because you're like. Yep. Wow, she turns into a different human when she's drunk. <laughs> and she just said one of the funniest fucking things I've ever heard. 
And like the most, when you initially hear it, the most absurd. And then when you think on it and ponder it, it makes the most sense out of anything you've ever heard in your life. It just, <laughs> it became gospel for me, to be honest. I was like, yes, yes, our vagina. Why? <laughs> we deserve wings. <laughs> we should have them. Yeah, I got to go back to yeah. one of my favorite moments of her in this episode. And it's when she gets upset about the tiki torches and like Tinsley's super drunk too. And Tinsley's like, why they're keeping the bugs away. <laughs> Leah <laughs> spins around her in the pool and she goes, you need to read the news more. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I forgot about that, Jim. That's such a good line. Oh, it's such a good line. He needs to read the news. That's what we needed to hear. That is exactly the kind of language and in conversation in a kind, right. you know, loving way, but in a very like, brutal uh, to the point. Yeah. We need to read this more. <laughs> it's so genius, yeah. and I was so, I was so caught off guard by a housewife having that yes. awareness that it took me a second to understand what she was talking about, and I was like. Does she mean like appropriation of like culture? Right. Like, what does she mean? And then it hit me. I was like, oh my God, she's talking about Charlottesville and the white supremacists right. that were carrying the tiki torches. Really, and that's why yes. she's mad. And I was like, I was like, I didn't even know a housewife right. even knew that that yeah. happened. You can't <laughs> like, see that. Like, it's know. like they exist in a completely separate reality of their own making most of the time. And they just are the most unaware. <laughs> You know, privileged group of women, and here comes Leah, who not only is informed but is like incredibly passionate. You should follow her on Instagram. She's been like extremely vocal about um, this like civil rights movement that we find ourselves in today, and and um, just like not being an asshole about COVID, like some of her castmates have been <laughs> during the. And she'll call them out. <laughs> she's, just, she's a champion of. Uh, of like the underserved and the, uh, you know, like, and represented and, and uses her platform, I think, um, in a, uh, a good way and in an active way. And so I, it just, it, it was like that kind of energy coming into this, like <laughs> sort of, you know, complete separate world, um, for the first time and, and like breaking down those walls and busting the illusion of like, Hey, we are in the real world. Let's be in the real world together. Let's like do better, please. And to me, what she brought throughout the entire season, she challenged the women in so many wonderful ways. But I think in the ways that I took away the most, that I was the most passionate or proud of her for were situations like that, where it was like, no, you are living in an incredibly privileged world of your own making. Let's bring you back down to reality for a second. You know, and, and she had things like that with, I think, every housewife throughout the season of like, let's check your privilege for a second. <laughs> yeah. And and it clicked with some of them. But at the biggest issue that happened mm -hmm. throughout that season was the relationship between yeah. Leah and Ramona. Now, R Ramona Singer, and I say this, Fully a hundred percent might be the worst human that's ever existed. I really agree. I agree. For years, for years, it burns when I think or talk of Ramona Singer because I truly regard her to be the worst human being on the planet. I'm 
someone who truly does love her because I think we is, have some friends in common, some mutual uh, loved loved ones who just love her. But I always want to go, do you love her or do you love to hate her? Because I love to hate her. I love to hate her. And she is, I think she is a vital energy. Like, oh, I don't think. She has to be. Absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes her evil it works for good. Like in the yeah. seasons, um, I think of uh, the trip to Morocco. Yeah. Uh, yes. with <laughs> And the fact that she and Sonia were just having fun right. and like trying to just like chill out. And the other women were so frustrated with them yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. and annoyed with yeah. them. Like sometimes her evil turns for some fun and stuff. But the older she's gotten, and to be completely honest, ever since yes. Trump became president, she has become an yep. utter yep. monster because yep. that's that's her people. I mean, she's a, she is a Mar-a-Lago goer. Yep. She is, you know, she's known the Trumps yep. forever and stuff. Like she is right. that brand, and so it was wild <laughs> and exciting to see Leah come in. And just kind of be like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Just, just challenge that. She challenged that constantly. Yeah. And it was so refreshing. Yeah. The viewer, it was just so valuable. It was like it, oh, it was the best yeah. comeuppance I could have thought of for Miss Ramona Singer. I loved it. I loved every single minute of it. It was so good. I tell you what, somebody nailed it on the head one time in like a in like a breakdown or dissertation of the <laughs> season, but <laughs> So we find out like later on in the season that Leah has some mother issues. Like she and her mother have had kind of like not the best relationship. They've been trying to figure it out and work. Her name is Bunny. And her (laughs) name is Bunny. (laughs) And this is coming from somebody whose mom's name is Cookie. Like (laughs) Bunny's dumb. (laughs) It is hard to take it seriously. It's very hard. Yeah. Bunny. So she has issues with Bunny. <laughs> and <laughs> and vice versa, Ramona is struggling to keep Avery, her daughter, right. close to her. Like Avery's now getting at the age where she's trying to be away from her and like she's trying to create her own life and stuff, but also still very yes. much yeah. reliant on Ramona's money and Ramona's presence. And um and so we watch this this younger woman who has an odd relationship with her mm-hmm. mother, and then we have this mother, this older woman, who's struggling with her relationship with her daughter, and they just saw each other, and it was exactly. like everything exactly. they were feeling about exactly. that family it member was, was taken wild out. Wild and therapeutic to see. <laughs> it was like it, wild. it truly. <laughs> It, they yeah they they served as each other's uh you know sort of uh, stand-ins for uh, you know a dumping ground of everything they wanted and needed to say to the person that they were having that struggle with they were the walking representation of that issue for each other and it brought a lot of juicy entertaining conflict <laughs> for us as viewers and they're both also like yeah. self-made women too which like i think was a huge factor in them bonding and also butting heads because they saw so much of each other in themselves and i you know they they're both incredibly passionate women um and so there was a bit of not rivalry, but just uh, that kind of friction that can come from two people that are very similar in some ways 
sort of just like constantly like two magnets, you know, being forced together. Like it's that kind of energy that just like sometimes it really works. And sometimes when it's bad, it's horrible. Um, And so for me, it was very interesting to see the parallels in, in their personalities and the differences and how it all unfolded before our eyes, like how juicy that conflict really was. It was very entertaining. And I loved every single minute of it. Um, and it just confirmed that Ramon is a terrible person. <laughs> it's so true. Like a horrible, and, and horrible human being. Up until now, when a younger woman joins a housewife cast, the biggest issue for most of the other women is the youth and attractiveness of that other, of that younger yes. woman. And they get threatened yes. and they get a little like on edge about it and everything. With Leah, it was that she was smarter than all of them. She was quicker than all of them. She could cut to the core, like, in a fight. And she was giving us iconic moments and iconic lines. Like, I elevate this shit. Like, that is, I, that is, like, put that on my grave. She's like, this shit. That is, like, oh, yes. Oh, good. Oh, it's so good. And she like, and so they were thrown way off guard. And some of them really loved it and really clicked with it. Like, I think Luann thought it was entertaining. I thought Dorinda especially really clicked with Leah because like they kind of fight in the same Mm -hmm. way where it's like, I'm cutting and I'm cutting hard and I'm cutting deep. And then you had, Sonia and Ramona kind of be like, oh my God, (laughs) like this is too much. And watch Sonia kind of float in and out of (laughs) being in simpatico with Leah and then being scared of her and then like being on Ramona's side and then coming right back to the middle and then floating back toward Leah was so fascinating. When they first um, sort of kind of started hanging out, um, actually in this episode, Sonia and Leah had uh, somewhat of a verbal altercation. They were both extremely drunk. Just the here's the thing about New York. You will see these women be so I don't know that you've ever seen a person so inebriated on television as you have seen these women at these at these like dinner parties that they host. And for the record, they are in these homes where they're, they're not going anywhere, they're not out in public, they are like down for the night, they're at least, you know, behaving responsibly that way. But they are drinking just yeah. unlike I've ever seen before in my life. I mean, just so like hard liquor. And so, you know, the, 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 the wet hair, the big eyes, the bit changes in their voice. I mean, it's like they become different people. And there was a conflict and, and, and um, a confrontation between Leah and Sonia where Leah is trying desperately to get Sonia to be, uh, in the present, in the here and now, Sonia has a, a habit of kind of living in the past and constantly referencing her ex-husband um, and just the life that she had. And it was a very charmed life. Yes, it's a, it's different she has now, but she just she is a little bit stuck there. Um, and so Leah is trying so hard to get her to break that. And the way she was about it. <laughs> In her half naked, sort of half crazed state, she, 
for emphasis when she's speaking. She hikes her leg straight out onto the ball in the kitchen, just like you would at a bar class in a boutique gym. Just like slams her leg on this kitchen island and says, the yacht has sailed. It's so good. Just desperate to get Sonia to come on board with her. Hey, girl, yeah. it doesn't have to be this way. Your life is fabulous. Come join me. Like, present. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's hilarious to see those two yeah. very drunk women be so passionate with each other. And it just continues. It escalates. It escalates. And they come and they, like, go into a, a different part of the house. And they, <laughs> it's a really wonderful scene where Sonia is um, on the toilet um, in that same downstairs bathroom. <laughs> That fateful bathroom. And Iconic you see <laughs> crouch down and put her hands on her on Sonia's knees, just crouching while Sonia is very much still on the toilet, having a, a genuine heart to heart with her. <laughs> and you know, then Sonia pops up off the toilet and, and they hug and embrace and the fight's over. <laughs> and she is pantsless and Leo's like topless, <laughs> and it's just like it's so wild. <laughs> it's just that is it is a bond that is forever. Um, but that, that's how they fight right? in New York. Like how they fight. New, New York, it's really fascinating how quickly the things start, but how they end. And I honestly think this is my theory. Oh, I have a theory okay. about this. I think the reason why these girls are so quick to like try and resolute things and resolve things and just kind of get rid of it is because of Jill and Bethany from season three, because I think they saw what happened with Jill and then the downfall that that all occurred because of the fact that they went too hard. Like, the fight was too personal. It was too intense. And Jill lost the fans and Bethany stepped away. Ousted. Yeah. And, and forever, like she got one, Jill got one more season and that was it. And never again. And so I think these girls are definitely so aware of yes. the fact that they got to like, Okay, we can fight, but like we gotta wrap it up. I need a job. <laughs> <laughs> I need a job. How many schools we gotta wrap? But mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to be famous. Like I do. I want to be famous, and that's you know, and that's what's like missing from like Beverly Hills. That same like, reference because I, I, as a viewer, much rather see a quicker resolution. Let's wrap this up. Let's get on to the next thing. Versus what they do in Beverly Hills, which is if somebody's feathers are ruffled or some a sort of thing is taken the wrong way, that spans over like seven episodes and it's the most boring story. Just so tired and like it's not entertaining. And I I, I watch reality TV to watch the worst of people. I don't watch it to become a and that's not what I'm here for. <laughs> we want to see people be the worst. But then I'll just wrap it up and, and have a quick little, you know, I, oh, I've learned something from this. Okay, well, what, you know, then we're going to make a different mistake tomorrow. But like with Beverly Hills, it's just, it they draw it out for, for too many episodes. And it's never like juicy enough to keep you on the hook for those episodes to get you to the next thing. It's just, I don't know. New York has a way of moving quickly and delivering like, 
top-notch, just absurd behavior, but then also giving you like genuine, sincere moments of growth from these women and like connection. And I, yes, we watch reality TV to watch like the worst of the worst people, but I, you know, <laughs> and they are that. Trust me, they all have their moments. They also do have moments of like genuine growth, and you see them become these beautiful, vulnerable women who are truly giving them themselves fully over to this process and like showing every single bit of their lives and who they are. And like that vulnerability is, is captivating. It, it really is. And you, you root, for them. you genuinely root for them and you love them and you, and you follow them forever. Like it just, you become attached to them, or at least I have. I've become very attached to many, many cast members. They are all like, they are all just like, my aunts like i need them to be okay and i need them to like i mean if there is an issue like i need it to be resolved now obviously more new york and actually for me i'm obsessed with potomac i think potomac is just a crown jewel right now it is so good it is so good i'm not fully up to speed on this season but i have i have been watching them from the beginning and these women Oh, honestly, right. they are rising in the ranks they're, very quickly, very very quickly. I think I think they're second to New York. I think New York and and Potomac are so upfront and just lay it all out. Like there's no bullshit. Now this season at Potomac, they finally hit their point where a, a situation got too personal and it got too intense and it got too much and so it's going to be really interesting to see if they can recover like new york did or like if we're going to have another situation of like beverly hills where it's just like now everybody's really guarded and we don't want to talk about things and we gotta drive we gotta all gang up on one woman we can't just like have you know our independent thoughts (laughs) and new york or they could pull a Denise Richards, and if they're not liking the way that a scene is going, yell "Bravo, Bravo, Bravo!" So the editors have to stop, <laughs> or the producer. Why I that. had no clue. Oh, it's so maniacal that oh. that was the case. Wow. Like they just had to go Bravo, wow. and like that they have to cut. Oh, it's so good. I was going to ask what your favorite city was, and I'm so glad that you brought up Potomac because that, that is one that like truly came out the gate just on fire. Because these women, like you said, they are just like, not only are they absolutely gorgeous, but they're like incredibly smart, incredibly driven women in this like area of our country that is just like, that's where a lot of these people that have those qualities flock to. Like they're in, they're amongst, you know, go-getter people that are like out there ready to change the world. And so to see in that environment and, and to see them thrive and to see just how they fabulously live their lives and then also have these children and have these husbands and have these, you know, like uh, softer sides to them. And it's just, it's fascinating. And I, this is making me want to do my homework and get caught up in the most recent season episodes because I'm behind and I've been a bad, bad girl. So I need to do that, but I, I do love Potomac. I do. I like standing. It's so good. It just is like, it is a plus material right now they're so incredible all those women karen huger is i i love i love Um, i love i love karen huger is everything (laughs) now what's really interesting is 
they're trying to expand and trying to bring in, like, with Salt Lake City, right out the gate, they gave us a cast that is so diverse and, like, religiously diverse and, like, everything. Like, it's it's a great cast. And now, with New York season 13, we're getting our first ever 13 seasons. <laughs> 13 seasons. They are finally giving us, there is going to be a Black cast member, a woman of color, involved in New York City. Finally. Finally. (laughs) Finally. Oh, my God. Then that's the thing. 13 seasons. I mean, it took 13 seasons. (laughs) But here's what's really interesting about that. Boy, oh, boy, are some of those women going to be on eggshells like they won't know what to like because they are so used to being around themselves and being around people who look like them and act like them and have (laughs) their money and now here's a woman who has their money but definitely doesn't run in the same circles that they do and they're like yes it's so time time. it's so time you're moving at the pace that the rest of the world is which is just like too slow But anyway, sorry, that went on a tangent. I'm here for it. I'm here for all the tangents. I'm here for it. Oh, so what's, so, so you love New York. You love Beverly Hills. Like if you had to, would New York be your uh, desert island housewives? Like it would just be New York. For me, it would, it would be between New York and Atlanta. And I, I think for (laughs) the sheer, zany nature <laughs> that is New York. I, I I think I'd have to go New York just because these yeah. women, when I think it can't get more absurd, <laughs> they say, hold my beer. <laughs> they say, hold <laughs> and then they outdo themselves. It just, oh, they did. I mean, it's just, I, what is I next? Agree. You know, that's what is next? How are they yeah. going to talk us next, Tommy? How are they going to do it? I don't, I have no clue. And I'll tell you what, this 13 is going to be really fascinating. Like, I think we're in for, I don't think it's going yeah. to be like an iconic season by any means, but I think we're yes. in for a real change in the franchise for New York. Because I think that. Yeah this is the beginning of some new blood being brought into the cast. And I think we're going to see some of the old cast adapt or some of them just mm-hmm. not at all and just go right. off into, you right. know, the ether. <laughs> yep. <laughs> to the abyss. <laughs> and, and Leah, you know, helped, helped kind of shake up the foundation and get it ready for, yeah. Listen, ladies, the, uh, things are going to change. You got to yeah. with it. Like, you have to change yeah. the times. Let's go. She is the one who changed the landscape. Like, she yeah. is absolutely that person. I think they kind of hoped that Tinsley would be that. Right. But I obviously, that was not the case. It needed to be somebody <laughs> like Leah McSweeney, yeah. who was just like, just game from moment one. Absolutely. And, uh, I'm obsessed. Like I, I think this was such a great idea. <laughs> I think that this is such a good gag, especially 
especially oh, in New York. Oh, God, you agree. <laughs> especially in New York, who has given us so many gag-worthy moments. Like, I, I mean, mean <laughs> I really want to go down the list. A woman threw her prosthetic leg. That is, <laughs> I, I mean. <laughs> We're talking Scary Island. We're talking the Berserkers. <laughs> We're talking, like, I can go on. That Berkshire's episode is one of my absolute favorite oh, episodes. It and it is. Legendary. Legendary. It is legendary. I think about, I think about when Jules Weinstein, one and done season mm-hmm. gal, was dealing with <laughs> her father mm-hmm. dying. And she was like really struggling with it. And she's outside being upset about it. And Luann comes stomping out. And Luann says to Jules, can you believe what Bethany said about me? <laughs> and Jules goes, Luann, sorry, my, my father's in the hospital. And she's like, Bethany said that I'm a whore. And I don't. <laughs> Just didn't even clock it at all. Do not take it in. One bit. <laughs> Jules is like, I don't care because my father's in the hospital. <laughs> She's like, I'm so sorry. But the gall of Bethany to say. These women are so self-absorbed. They are so, so self-absorbed. And they all are fully aware of how they, like, they've watched themselves in this this show for so many years. They are aware at any point, like, how how their story is picking up, right? And, like, what what they can go off of and what they're going to build on. And, and that is yes. kind of what Lou has, has done for us for years is like, <laughs> she, she sees her opportunity when she knows she, and however tone deaf it may be, she can to, yeah. you know, forge that path, no matter what is in the way. <laughs> yeah. Man, I'll tell you what, she, she had a great season this season. I thought she really she looked amazing. Oh my gosh. She's, Incredible. Truly one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in my life. Also, like she just doesn't age. There was like a flashback recently um, in one of the later episodes of the season where you see her from like 10 years ago and you're like, that she looks exactly the same. Meanwhile, she was opposite of Ramona in that flashback. Ramona quite literally looks like a different person and a different person. Um, But like she just, so, you know, she looked amazing, uh, but that stemmed from her um, kind of taking drinking out of her routine for uh, the majority of of a year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, her being forced to sort of like self-reflect and evaluate some of her choices and the way that she was in life. And um, I I think we saw a lot of growth from Luann during season 12, truly. No longer that person on the balcony yeah. uh, or on the porch of the like making things all about her when a woman is quite literally moving uh, her father-in-law. <laughs> um, she was the peacekeeper this year. She was, the, you know, the glue the, that uh, was sort of helping to build bridges between mm-hmm. these women. And I, it was lovely to see her kind of come into that role. I loved that. Yeah. She, I'll tell you what, the moment that like, I was like, oh, Lou is listening and <laughs> Lou is learning was at the reunion when they like, when they questioned her about her experience with being arrested and like everything. Right. And, oh, yes. and then she was just like, oh, I understand that I got off because I am privileged and white. Like, I understand yep. that I am like a thousand percent had a way different experience 
than anything else. Yeah. And then when she was like, when she pulled out systemic racism, it like I was like, oh like, my god, it yes. yes. I, was, I was so proud of her at that moment. I, I too oh, no. floated I like, atop my seat. I was being exalted. Like it was. <laughs> I think you know who's the most surprised was Andy. I think Andy just was like. That's you said the right thing. Right you said the right yeah. thing. <laughs> it's like what? Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was. It was an amazing moment to witness. It was like watching somebody graduate. It was. Like, wow. <laughs> it was <laughs> like I mean, when, like I said, when she said those two words, I was like, "Oh wow, she said it." <laughs> yeah, it was so crazy. It was so crazy, but like. Truly, like, a growth moment for her. And I, uh, again, I think we're going to see, I think Lou, out of everybody, is going to adapt fairly well with these younger gals. And I think that she's going to keep it going. And I think she's going to still be around for a little bit. I think Ramona and Sonia are going to have the hardest time. Oh, absolutely. 1,000%. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sonia will last a little bit longer than Ramona, I think, just by sheer aloofness. Um, and just kind of, you know, that that thing that Sonia does where she just kind of bounces through life and lands in a soft space. <laughs> do you think do you think they'll ever get rid of Ramona? I wonder because because she is such a, an awful person that it makes it so easy funnel all of your anger and hatred onto like she's cast as a villain right and every reality show needs a villain essentially um and she just so perfectly plays that role by being herself <laughs> and you know and it becomes such a permanent dynamic to the show that i yeah i wonder i wonder what it would be like if you took that out who who would become that next villain? Would it be the same? I, I I don't know. I don't know. A part of me is so just over her and like her coded ideas and the shit she says and like she's a terrible person. And then the the trashy reality show part of me is like, oh, but I want it. I want it <laughs> because then I know I'm not that bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think like, oh, I've never fucked up that much. Okay. I I would never do that. I would never treat a person like that. Okay. I'm not No, no. (laughs) I would never like walk into a a vacation home and just tell the first person I saw to please put away all my stuff in my room. Like that is like that's the disgusting like kind of thing about her that I'm like but I want that. I want to see her, <laughs> but I want to see her yes. do that. So I can yeah. say, how dare you? <laughs> exactly. I want to feel this pain. I really want to keep feeling it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the fact that like, they've given us this thing where she's an utter monster. And then we find out over the last few seasons that she keeps on shitting herself. And that is so... <laughs> That is so wild. Yes. <laughs> God. Yes. Because it really humanizes her, I'll tell you that. Oh, man. <laughs> and, like, the fact that, like, she's just, like, I love that she's, like, oh, that's disgusting. How dare you all say that? And then they're, like, but she never denies it. <laughs> like, she, yeah. 
exactly. Never, never. She's mm-hmm. just like, oh, I no. can't believe you all said that. They're like, well, you did. <laughs> you did poop yourself a couple of times. <laughs> well, I can't believe that. I oh, you're disgusting. <laughs> I oh god. Deflections, the deflections. They all deflect. Really, <laughs> Ramona and Dorinda are are the ringleaders of the deflections. They like I, I know full masterclass. Full on. I'm gonna miss Dorinda for sure. But I like know. as long as she's not the Dorinda that we saw this season. Yeah, it like, was rough. That was really rough. That was- yeah, this one was <laughs> this one it was, was a harsh, harsh but- <laughs> long look in the mirror for Dorinda this season. And uh, you know, I it's it's complicated to talk about New York and not talk about so so many dark moments that these women have had because of alcohol abuse. And that is a very much and I am not trying to make light yeah. of any of that. Um, and honestly, a lot of good has come from them being to watch some of their behavior back and, yeah. and take a step back and evaluate their choices and, and what they cannot partake in. And I think it was time uh-huh. for Dorinda to do that for herself. This was a rough, a rough, rough patch for our gal. Dorinda. Which makes me so sad. Yeah. Cause I just, she was such, she was, she is an icon. I mean, she's just so great. And like I said, the best casting, she and Shannon, absolutely best really? casting of any any franchise. But she she just fell into a dark, dark hole. Yeah. Um, I've heard rumors that this was supposed she was supposed to be off this season, that she was going to take the season off, and then Bethany left. And Dorinda, which this is really fascinating. This is like so meta. Dorinda felt such a, a pat, like she felt like she had to be there for the show. She felt like she needed to be there because Bethany was gone. And she was like, we're down a girl, but we got to give the, we have to give a good show. Like we have to be there. And so she tried really hard to, be in the mindset to create a good show, but I think her personal darkness just got over her and and drove her, you know, off off the ledge this season. It was wild. Yeah, she yeah, she had some off the cliff moments that were truly and yeah, because she did say at the at the reunion, she admitted to Andy, um, you know, she was like, in all honesty, I, I I probably should have taken this season off. And I and almost did and I should have followed through on that. Um, because we saw her still very much leaving her uh, her dead husband. Um, she had you know, just broken up with a man that she had been dating for nine years. Um, he was dealing with, uh, you know, just the reality of like having to rehab two of her homes that were like, you know, had some natural disasters happen. I mean, it's just like a lot going on. And, you know, she was, she was not able to handle it very well. And we saw what you know what a person under extreme stress and um emotional stress can, can do to themselves when when introducing alcohol <laughs> it was a coping mechanism and so um you know it was and, and it was yeah it was hard to see one of our icons one of our heroes kind of just you know have a hard time but i'm and then not only have a hard time but also just like not acknowledging that they were having a hard time and not acknowledging that there was some alcohol abuse going on and even at the reunion i was hoping that she would sort of acknowledge it more than she did and she still continued to uh deny and deflect and i 
that's, I think, that was the saddest thing of all for me. A lot of people say that that was, um, for production, the nail in the coffin, that, like, there was no ownership of anything. There was no, any, you know, no regrets. Um, I think especially, like, a lot of people, a lot of people you know, these rumors about especially Andy and how he reacts with the women is like, I can't help but believe that there's some truth to all those rumors. And when she made that comment about the turkey baster Mm -hmm. getting at Tinsley pregnant and Andy just having a child through, you know, surrogacy and everything, I bet he did kind of look at that and be like, fuck her. She's gone. She's done. You know, like, and I do, I do think that she'll be back in some form, hopefully. But you know, if she doesn't, it's okay. Like we had some really great Dorinda seasons, and we did. She made it nice. She okay. made it nice. One of her catchphrases. Nothing. Something that people don't talk about enough. She put her face in a birthday cake that was fully lit with candles. <laughs> Lest we forget (laughs) the dedication to slapstick comedy from (laughs) she burnt her eyebrows off. Eyebrows off for the bit. Okay, she went all in. I have Um, never committed to a bit. Not never ever in my life, and nor probably will I. Let's be honest. I. I am never gonna put <laughs> I'm never gonna put my face in a birthday cake face down <laughs> while candles are in it. <laughs> not on your not on your life. Oh my I, god. I, oh, I forgot about that, Jim. I really did. So, so yeah, she gave us some really wonderful bright spots throughout our she <laughs> There's almost like so bright they're on fire, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my God. Oh, so, so let's go ahead. This is incredible. <laughs> Real quick, is there anything, la- any other thing that you want to touch on with Leah? Like any other lasting moment or something that you're like, I need to say this about her? I Really, it's, for me, it's it's the the freshness in which she, you know, came on and, and the, like the current she was with everything with her, um, her views on the world with her views on her sexuality, with who she was, you know, her, her, even her tagline, these, these women all have taglines, um, when they, uh, are doing their little intro. Um, and hers was, uh, I'm going to paraphrase, but it's, uh, I'll apologize for what I've done, but never for who I am. And that, like, I just, I loved the fact that she let herself just unabashedly be herself. I, the confidence that she brought was just, it was so refreshing and so inspiring for me because I, I am, I'm I'm one that will constantly, you know, riddle myself with insecurities and, and anxieties and my brain lies to me all the time. And so, you know, to, to see a woman come on the scene with these flaws, with like, uh, you know, mental illness that she is so very open about and, and, and to be confident in, in those things, as well as the things that make her a fabulous person, like, you know, let, watching her accept the good and the bad and in between about herself inspired me to do the same for me. And like, it just, 
And so I, I, I hope to emulate um, Leah McKinney more in my day-to-day life. I, I thank her for her example and, um, and for her inspiration. Uh, I love it. I love that so much. Uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and add Leah McSweeney joining the cast of Real Housewives of New York City for season 12 into our book of gods. All right, to wrap things up, let's go ahead and do our gags of the week. So I'm going to start out, and um, so I have two quick things that I have to mention. Um, one is, have you heard of the show? It's on Netflix, and it just premiered, or just uh, showed up on there, called Bling Empire. So here's the deal. I haven't decided if I like the show as a whole or if I'm just obsessed with this one moment. So Bling Empire, Bling Empire is very much in the vein of Bravo shows. It's a reality show that follows um, truly, like, basically this show was given the green light post-Crazy Rich Asians. Like, basically, it is real life. Crazy Rich Asians in um, LA, in like in the California area. And what's really fascinating is like one of them, her name is Christine. She's married to a doctor, a plastic surgeon um, named Dr. G, is like what they call him. And they have a little baby they call Baby G. And <laughs> it's so cute. They're a lovely couple, so lovely. Um, Dr. G is from a dynasty. Like he would be, if there were still dynasties in, in China, he would be next in line to be emperor. Like basically like it's insane. It's wild. So of course he is loaded with his money on top of family money. So like, it's insane. I mean, it's wild. Christine, throws a Chinese New Year party by renting out all of Rodeo Drive, like a block of Rodeo Drive. What? Yeah. Okay, so total wish fulfillment show. Yes, yes. love it. I'm in. I'm in. All about it. Well, so something happens in the first episode, and this is like, this is true. Like, I wish a housewife show this would happen because I'm obsessed yes. with this. But there's this woman who returns back to LA, and her name is... Anna and Anna is part Japanese, part Russian. And she has been married four times, is filthy rich, like filthy, filthy rich. So <laughs> Anna comes back and she used to be like the queen of this like group of all of these like fabulous Asian American humans who just are loaded. And so she comes back and Christine has kind of taken this spot as like the queen. And so the two of them like interact for the first time. And Christine looks at Anna's um, necklace and they are these ginormous diamonds. Like, I mean, you would not believe. And she's like, well, that's beautiful. And she goes, I love that you 
you went into the bank uh, safe to like pull out the big stuff for me. And like, Anna, <laughs> she says that, and Anna's face just like dies a little because she's just like this bitch. Oh, and so they start like, they start doing this like posturing that is wild, which is national graphic level. Oh my God. Anna's like, Anna's like, so uh, also Anna has this really low voice and she just kind of whispers and she only says like sentences that are four <laughs> words long. <laughs> like, so she says like, so where do you stay in Paris? And she's like, uh, Christine's like, oh, we stay, you know, at the plaza in the, the presidential suite. And, <laughs> and Anna goes, I stay at the presidential suite at the plaza as well. And they're like, Oh, well, I guess we've never been there at the same time, or else, you know, we wouldn't both be in there. <laughs> it is oh my wild. god. So then it gets even better. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my god. I I this is the best commercial for the show to ever exists. They need to pay you. <laughs> I've been obsessed with this moment. So basically, fast forward, Anna decides to have like a welcome back to Hollywood, LA like party and she invites everybody including christine and christine pulls out of her bank safe like she keeps her diamonds and her jewelry at a bank in a safe she pulls out a um louis vuitton like full-on huge neck piece and she pulls it out and she puts it on with one of her friends i forget this guy's name but he's like the gay of the group and like okay. <laughs> he's just like, yeah. over the top. He's so funny. Yeah, yeah. But he was like, Oh my God, is that like an actual Louis? And she's like, Yes, yeah, this is from, you know, his uh this is from the House of Baton and like all this stuff. And then she Yeah. And then she says, Anna has this piece as well. And <laughs> she goes, I think I'm going to wear it to her dinner party. <gasps> on- tomorrow and the gay guy's like don't do that but also please do that (laughs) he doesn't like sway her either way he's just like well you know well go right ahead I guess you know she shows up to that party and she has this necklace on and Anna sees her and Anna is pissed (laughs) So then she goes into the table where the dinner is and she moves Christine and Dr. G all the way to the very end of the table. Oh my God, that's how the rich really like get mad at each other. (laughs) His dinner placement. So it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And so like, I still am like, I don't know about the show, but that moment, like, right. I don't care. Oh, God, Tommy, that is the most fascinating depiction of a reality show that, like, seems too good to be true. Got, I have to go watch it. I have to watch that. Bling Empire on Netflix. And then my other thing that I just really quickly have to touch on, Tamisha Aman is a contestant on this season of RuPaul's Drag Race. She is, I think she's 49 years old um, and fought cancer beat cancer yeah was supposed to be on season 12 got her cancer diagnosis literally like right after she got the offer to be on season 12 
She had to rescind the offer. They immediately invited her to season 13 if she felt better, and she did. Um, she is, she's just the best. <laughs> like, just, if you, like, if you ever, like, just watch her. She is, she is such a mother, and uh, she has already given us drag royalty uh, in her children and stuff. And she is, she's from Atlanta, Georgia, and she just gives you that Atlanta drag. Like she just, she looks like the most glamorous auntie you've ever seen in your life. Like, I mean, she's just, she's everything. I'm obsessed. Medicine. She's medicine right now. Like that's, Drag Race is one of those shows that truly is like medicine for me. I like it. It's like taking a giant Xanax and, and chilling the hell out. Like it calms me. Yeah. It hurts me. It's a warm, fuzzy blanket that's weighted. It's, oh. it, it is a cure-all for everything. And it's the best family show on television. Okay. <laughs> it is. It, <laughs> she is. I was so shocked at how much I've grown to just already be obsessed with her. We're three, we're three episodes in and I'm just like, I love Tamisha Amon, and she is literally dropping merchandise with every episode. So she is getting money, and like the internet is obsessed with her already. Like, I mean, she's just iconic, iconic. iconic. Yes. So, I have oh to my god, <laughs> those are my guys. Tamisha Amon. Yeah, honey, spectrum is wide. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what is your gag of the week? What have you been loving recently? So my gag of the week um, is an echo of a previous gag that I had. Um, I'm sure everyone by now has either heard of or seen themselves the hot ticket show on Netflix called Bridgerton. Uh- <laughs> um, have you by chance been able to see any episodes uh, yourself? Yeah. Yes. So I have a confession oh. to make. Okay. <laughs> so nobody get mad at me. <laughs> I really struggle with yeah. like these kinds of shows. The like Jane Austen, the like, you know, like the fussiness and stuff. And it's hard. Like I never was into Downton Abbey. I never was into, you know, yeah. kind of these like shows of manners. So it got through. I got through the first episode about like 45 minutes yeah. in, and then I, I, I just kind of lost, but I am very aware of the, <laughs> I'm very aware, trust me, especially of Bassett and mm. how like yeah. stunningly gorgeous of like, yeah. I yeah. literally started when he came on screen. Like we all have a sexuality and it is him. <laughs> <laughs> what are you like what is it about the show that you are just loving or obsessed I, I, with? I love i love the show i love the writing of the show i do love those upstairs downstairs type of manners shows um i i was obsessed with downton abbey for years um and i love shonda rhimes and when you put those two things together oh my god and then sprinkle a little gossip girl theme in there and i'm I'm floating on air. So like I immediately bought into what the show was. I immediately devoured every episode. Um, but the thing I love about it is that it's allowing these female characters to um, sort of have a sexual awakening and a growth and like become these independent women without something traumatic happening to them first. <laughs> like sometimes in, in, especially in these period pieces, we see, 
um, you know, women come to power after something horrible has happened to them, um, like be it sexual abuse or physical abuse or, you know, I, 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 there's just like there has to be some major tragedy for them to come out on the other side of it. And and that's where our dating mom comes from. And so with this show, um, it it doesn't do that um, as, as often. <laughs> there's, I don't want to give too much away, but like we, it, that's just it, that's not as present of a theme. And so um, my gag specifically has to do with um, a scene from uh, the from the show where uh, two characters are speaking to each other on their wedding night, and there's a phrase uttered, um, "I burn for you," um, and it it, it, it like. When you when you hear it, you immediately understand it because your skin is also burning while you're watching these two people interact. You're like, oh my god, the sexual tension is too much. I can't handle it. And some genius on TikTok, <laughs> this brilliant woman, um, is writing musicals uh, like a uh, you know just left and right throughout the pandemic. But she's writing one um, about Bridgerton, like a, 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 like Bridgerton the musical essentially, and she wrote a song specifically about this scene um, and using like the blog and it, it like in such a beautiful and it's gorgeous. And she's like recording. I, I don't know TikTok very well. I still don't have one. I'm a grandma. I can't, can't like, I still can't bring myself to get an account and like, fully sign in. but I, I just, you know, get these through Instagram or whatever, like, you know, people sharing articles, sharing stories. But I, from what I've seen, she's like allowed, she's recorded herself and then left an accompaniment for, whoever wants that wants to duet her i I've, i'm told that duetting is like a big thing on tiktok and i'm seeing people like recording themselves and duetting with this woman who has an amazing voice and like is an incredible songwriter and i am truly gagged it's so good it's so good look it up did you did you hear anything from Ratatouille, the musical? Oh, did you no, just like Mallory Becky was in it? It's fine. It's no big deal. I lost my you have yes. that. Okay. Yes. I was like, I mean, like the cast of six was in it. Was but it's a radical. Um, I, I was losing my mind. It's so good. So good. Oh my god! Tommy, is this where we're I heading? We I don't know. I think we're, I think here. we're here. I think we've arrived. I think it's happening. <laughs> I I want I watched it and I just was like, oh my god, <laughs> I couldn't get over it. I thought it was I so know. great, but I, I can't wait to find this Bridgerton because uh, Bridgerton the musical on TikTok. I wonder if there's a specific song about the scene on the stairs um, between. <laughs> There's a comedian I, and a writer I'm obsessed with, Phoebe Robson, and she uh, she Instagram oh storied God. that scene God. and just like talking about it. And she's like, that poor woman's vertebrae. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's like, she cannot, that cannot be good for her. <laughs> she was like, get her to bed. <laughs> Put her down flat somewhere. It was so funny. <laughs> She goes, Where, where's her shoulders laying? Like, she, she's going to hurt herself. I just, it was oh so God. funny. It was so funny. Oh, it, I, oh, it's I so it. good. That show is bringing us together for many reasons and in many ways. <laughs> <laughs>
Yay. Okay, Bridgerton the musical. <laughs> Looking it up. It's a gag. Oh, Jackson, this was Edison. great. <laughs> for me. I miss you dearly. Miss you. Oh, so much. We need to match um, and talk about Housewives more. <laughs> and I love that we didn't even like call each other. It just happened. It was fate. Kismet. I actually changed into the shirt right before we started. So I think it really was fate. I was going to wear clothes and I was like, no, no, no. Tommy. Oh my God. This is great. Jacqueline, where can people find you on the internet? You're more active on Instagram, right? That's your... Yeah, I am. Um, my Instagram is Jacqueline Jones. Um, it's uh, I taught <laughs> Tommy how to spell my name. Uh, I've taught many people how to spell my name. Um, if you need help looking it up, I learned this in kindergarten to be able to actually write it myself. I do it with class. It's J A C Q U E L Y N. And then Jones, y'all know how to spell it. I'm sure J A N E S. Um, but that's <laughs> mainly where you can find me. I do have a Twitter that I resurrect like every year and a half or so. <laughs> my uh, name was not available when I signed up. So I had to go with my uh, not so great handle of Jack Jonesy. Um, <laughs> Jack is in J-A-C. Jonesy is in J-O-N-S-I-E for some reason. I Okay. Oh, no. Again, it's like a graveyard. I very rarely tweet. <laughs> I love that. Not um, my proudest moment. <laughs> well, I will. I will definitely. I'll, I'll link the Instagram in the episode description <laughs> for everybody because I know Maybe. that that's that's where you're more active and stuff. And wow. you know, I'll tell you what. I when we come back. Like when we're back to creating theater and being on the stage, oh. you're one of those people that I know. I'm just going to be like, oh, there she is. You're going to be right back up there. <laughs> and you are going to. <laughs> well, you're just so fabulous and you're so incredibly talented. And I yeah, just, anybody listening out there, if you've never seen, Jacqueline Jones on stage. Listen, don't, <laughs> get ready. Don't start. We come <laughs> You're like it's okay. It's oh God, I I hope we all oh. get to work again. I'm dying to get to work with you. I you are one of the people that I just know is going to bounce right back on stage, and that's immense joy. You always do, my dear friend. You're so wonderful, Jacqueline. God, thank you so much. And to Everyone else, hey, keep on gagging. <laughs> this king size body houses a true queen. <laughs> I may give you tea, but it'll always be sweet tea. An absolute gag is produced and edited by me. Cover art provided by Grace Greenwood at 1310 Studios. Follow her on Instagram at 1310 underscore studios or visit their website at www.1310spelledoutstudios.com. Music provided by Vivera. Find them on Spotify and iTunes. Rate and subscribe to the podcast on all podcatcher apps, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow the pod on Instagram and Twitter at an absolute gag pod. Thanks for listening. Now pump it, queens. 